tonight. I'm glad you've chosen to be here. I'm glad you've chosen to tune in. And, uh, well, how about that snow? We have enough this year. <laughs> you can go ahead and be seated. We're going to look at a couple of verses here in Psalm 73. The, the message tonight is where you stand determines what you see. Where you stand determines what you see. And uh, we're going to notice a few verses here. Psalm 73, psalm, a psalm of Asaph. Truly, our, uh, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Appropriate for today. Seems like a lot of ice and snow makes your steps slip. Verse number three, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have uh, more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. Their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Till I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I. I their end. Boy, it seems like as, as the writer here, Asaph, he's a singer, and um, you know, he, he, he's trying to get a better view of life where he stand right now. Sometimes our perspective in our situation is not always the reality. Uh, perspective is different from every point of view. When you think about uh, reality. What's what's that quote that we had, Jason? Something is reality. Perception is reality. But that's not always the case. That's not always the case. We've seen people that are dressed up on a Sunday morning and we think they're going to church. But they're not going to church. They might be going to a funeral. They might be going to a wedding. Perception is not always reality. But sometimes our perception of what's taking place in the world is reality. And sometimes we get downtrodden and discouraged. And that's where Asaph was. He was kind of downtrodden and discouraged over some things because the wicked seemed to prosper more than everybody else. And that's what we see sometimes. And we say, well, didn't they buy stock in GameStop? 
Didn't they buy stock in AMC? Didn't they do something? And something happened where a lot of people lost a lot of money. And they weren't too happy about it. And so Asaph is saying, Lord, it just seems like the wicked are prospering and and they're having a good old time in this life and nothing bad is ever happening to them. And, And God says, wait, just... Look at the last verse. We're not, we're not going to go through the whole chapter yet, but I want you to notice the last verse. He ends up saying, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. That's powerful. See, God puts us exactly where He can use us. He puts us exactly where we can testify of God's goodness. We're primed in this world right now for not a revolution, but a revival. And I believe a revival's coming. Praying for a revival. There's a global revival coming. I believe God's sending His Spirit one more time in this earth, around the globe, to get people to draw close to Him. And uh, people, if they don't, Pay attention if they don't heed that final call of God. I think it's that invitation that we've preached about for all these 40 plus years. That I think Jesus is going to come back. And the question begs to be asked. That's what Jesus, will there be faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? And here the psalmist, it seems like he's having the same problems that we are in our generation, in our day. And uh, the, the problem that confronted him, he was looking at the, at the situation with the wrong perspective. We look at the situation that we're in and we see it from a human perspective. And we say, well, I don't want to say you say this, but I say, God, why don't you do something? It's bad. We're hurting. And he says to me, be still. Be still, watch, be still, draw nigh to me. I want you to draw closer to me than you ever have before. And that's what I'm getting out of all this problems that we see. And the psalm teaches us how to to get our eyes off of our circumstances and put them squarely on the Lord. And if we don't, guess what? Just like Asaph, as you read through this whole chapter... He was ready to quit. He was ready to give up. He was ready to throw in the towel. You ever been there? That's enough. I can't take anymore. I surrender. I'm waving the white flag. But what we have to do is wave the white flag to the Lord and say, I surrender all. I surrender all. And uh, when we do that, I believe God's going to reveal himself and he's going to show himself mighty. So... Let's look at this a little bit deeper, not too deep tonight. I know it's Wednesday. And so, uh, number one, how has Asaph been educated? Look in verse number one. He says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Now, when you think about who's good, who's good in the world? No person is good. There's only one that's good, and that's God. That's it. That's what the Bible says. Matthew says it, and um, uh, he testified there is none good but God. 
uh, he's been taught two valuable truths in just ver one verse. And he says, God blesses his people. Do you believe that? I believe that. God blesses his people. Um, for the Lord... Well, actually, I'm going to have somebody read. You. Psalm 84, 11. It's one of my mom's uh, favorite verses. Psalm 84, 11. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now, when we think of good things, we want good things to come our way, don't we? We want, we want great things to come our way. We want better things to come our way. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. But notice there's something else that he learned. Uh, let's see. Jason, why don't you read... Matthew 6.33. If you can quote it, go ahead. So no good thing will he withhold. That's what Asaph learned. And he also learned that seeking first the kingdom of God his, and his righteousness and all these things. What things? All the things that God wants you to have. All the things that God wants in your life. All the things that God wants to bless you with. See, we think what we want is what God wants. We got it backwards, though, don't we? <laughs> God must want what I want. No. He wants what's best for us. He knows what's best for us. So why did Matthew put in there, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you? I think it's important to get your perspective right. Have you ever gone to a construction site and they have little peepholes where you can look in and watch what's going on? It's a long time ago, I know. It's when they have the construction site, they got the wooden fence, and you, as a little kid, they've got all these little holes that you can look through and see the big cranes moving and the big earth movers moving the dirt and getting ready for the building that's going to be erected and and your perspective is different than somebody that's on a higher level in a different building looking down and seeing the big mess down there and your car getting all dusty it's a different perspective well I think as a Christian we have to take that 30,000 foot look down and see what's God trying to do What's God trying to do? I mean, obviously he's doing something. He's not just silent and saying, you guys made this mess, you're on your own now. No, he's doing something. But we have to take a step back. We have to get a different perspective. We have to, we have to realize, just like we talked about the clay in the potter's hand last week, we're still in his hand. He's carrying us from place to place. He's still molding, shaping us into what we're supposed to be. And he's, he's growing us. He's testing our faith. He's strengthening our faith. Did you know faith is like a muscle? It has to be exercised. What happens if you don't exercise? You lose your what? You lose your gains. 
Yep, that's right. You, your muscles begin to atrophy. And you begin to lose what you started out trying to have. Instead of looking like Popeye the Sailor Man, you look like olive oil. With her little skinny arms and, oh, Popeye. When we start to exercise our faith, remember we said faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? We can't see God in, in the sense that we can't see him standing before us, but we can see what he's doing. We can see the attributes of what he's doing through his people in this world. The heavens declare the glory of God. The earth show us his handiwork. And so when we think about what God is doing, we're not sure. When you look at the weather, we get a prediction on our phone of what, what's going to happen in the weather. We're going to have 14 inches. We're going to have 20 inches. It's going to be a blizzard. Really? Really? We got nine? Oh, we got seven inches at our house. I said, what happened to the 14 inches they predicted? They were way off. God's never off. God's never off. And so when you have a different perspective, instead of looking at this world through human eyes, I mean, that's what God gave us as human eyes, but we have to look through his eyes. There's an old song that talks about this. Uh, it, it says, let me see this world, dear Lord, through your eyes. And um, when you look at this, Asaph was trying to, trying to get the perspective, Lord, how come you're blessing the wicked? How come even when they die, there's, there's, you know, it's good? They're blessed. And that's what he's, he's saying. He's basically crying to the Lord. But that's not the end of the story. He's, he's trying to show that even though when we see bad things happen in this world and when we live in bad situations, our perspective has to do with where we're standing. When you're standing on solid rock, guess what? The perspective is much better. Come up hither. Come up with me. There's a, there's a book called Hind's Feet in High Places. I, I reflect on it every once in a while, and I'll go back and read it, and it's a beautiful, beautiful story about somebody that is marred, and they're they're disfigured and they're not so pretty to look at and, and they want to be close to the shepherd and she just doesn't feel like she's worthy. But in the end, the shepherd wanted to be close to her and show himself mighty. It didn't matter what she looked like. See, that's what we think. Well, God doesn't accept me because I'm just, I'm marred. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm just a lump of clay. All of us are. And God, through Asaph's writings... He says, I want to develop, uh, and I want to be all that you want me to be. I'm educated, uh, but I have to put God first. And if I don't put God first, who am I putting first? Myself. Myself. You can't have joy putting yourself first. Jesus, others, and then you. That's how you have joy. Jesus, others, you. And um, God blesses the pure. That's what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. 
but not only his education, when we talk about experience, I, I've been to some of the greatest zoos in America. I've been to the San Diego Zoo. I don't know if that's good or bad. They have white tigers there. It was really neat. I've been to the Tampa Zoo in Tampa, Florida. The Miami Zoo. Uh, we went to a place called Lion Country Safari. We thought it was, oh, we thought it was really cool, but it only had a few big cats. And they were toothless. They weren't that great. But we've been to, we've been to, I've been to the Bronx Zoo, the real Bronx Zoo, not the zoo that pretends to be the Bronx Zoo. I've seen some animals. I've seen some great things. And the experience, I can tell you all about the experience, and it's nothing like, oh, you should have been there, bought the T-shirt and been there, right? And you can tell me about experiences you've been. I've been to uh, Kennedy Space Center. Oh, that was fun. That was exciting. It was warm. It was nice. I've been to, I can tell you about the experiences, but until you've gone and experienced it, for yourself, it's not the same, is it? Well, the same thing goes with revival. I can tell you about great revivals, the Welsh revival. I can tell you about all the revivals of the time past. I can tell you about things that have taken place in the past at Blackstone Valley Baptist Church. Oh, you should have been there. But now, no. Now we're living in a different time. The experiences that we go through. What happens when pressure comes in our life, sometimes we run away from pressure. Nobody likes pressure. Don't pressure me. My dad used to say, don't pressure me. We don't like pressure. But when pressure comes with coal, a lot of pressure and a lot of heat, guess what that coal becomes? A diamond. A diamond. And when we think about diamonds, uh, there's, there's something special about a diamond. And all of us are a work in progress. And we're all, if we're saved, God's working on us. He's molding us. He's shaping us. He's trying to make something special out of us. So Asaph, he's telling in verse 2 through 16, the experiences that he's gone through, the wicked seem to prosper, and the bad people seem to uh, be blessed. And it brought him to a place of what we consider to be confusion. Did you know what the Bible says about confusion? God is not the author of confusion. You get confused about something. Uh, I'm not talking about a temporary confusion about something. I'm talking about confused about life, confused about the doctrine of the Bible, confused about everything. God's not the author of confusion. You know what? God brings peace that passes understanding. When we go through difficult times, he brings peace that's beyond our comprehension. And so now, uh, life has brought him to a place of confusion, and then even not just confusion, but doubt concerning God. God, where are you? God, how could you allow all this to happen? It's just like the disciples in the boat again. Don't you care we're going to perish? Yeah, the one who made the waves, who made the wood that you're in this boat, the one who made the wind, 
He's with you. The creator of the universe is asleep in your boat. Leave him alone. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> yeah, it's easy said than done. Easier said than done, isn't it? Because sometimes we get caught up in the winds and the waves, and we get caught up in all the, the tempestuous, as Peter did. Lord, if it's really you, let me come out to you. And Jesus said, come on out. See, we see all the things that are going on in our world today, and we think, boy, how can God be in all this? Let me tell you, he's there. He's there. Verse number two said Asaph was in slippery ground. I remember years ago, I don't remember what state park we were at, but there was some slippery rocks near the ocean. And being curious as I was, I saw this stream that was going down. My sister and my dad were there. Mom and dad were there. And I just, my foot touched the stream, just touched it. I was on my way into the ocean. I screamed like a girl. I'm not going to do it tonight. My whole side was cut up. I never did that again. It was a slippery slope. It was a slippery rock. I didn't want to go back to that part. And you know, that's what he was saying. He says, my, fleet, uh, my feet, look at that. As for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. And so uh, we often think of goodness translates into God's blessing, but why not ask Job about this logic? Um, you think even for a minute what Job endured was a fun thing to go through? I, I don't think so. I, I'm just going to give you the answer. In the end, what happened with just Job? I'm not going to talk about all the three Hebrew children. I'm not going to talk about all those guys tonight. What happened with Job? In the end, he got closer to the Lord than he was at the beginning. How could you get closer when you have tragedy in your life? How can you get closer when you've lost everything? How can you get closer to the Lord when God allowed the devil to come in and bother Job? Well, if you read the book, it says in all this, Job didn't charge God or blame God for what he went through. And so he was blessed by God because of his faithfulness. For too many years, that health and wealth gospel has been preached around the world in churches. And people have been led to believe if you have the right kind of life, and do the right things, then the Lord is obligated to bless you. Really, uh, how does that fit into Job's life? He was doing things right, and God still allowed things to happen in his life. That kind of teaching is a lie. Can I just be honest with you? And uh, often the Lord will allow things in our life that, that's hard to bear. It's hard to go through. Difficult. And he places loads on our shoulders that will literally break us under the strain. That's not a pleasant thing to think about, but it's necessary for us to grow and strengthen our faith muscle. We forget is that the Lord is, once again, we go back to the molding thing, molding us. What's he molding us into? His image. He's molding us to be more like him. What does that look like? I don't know yet. 
I'm still in the process. He's still working on me. He's showing himself mighty in my life. So we forget that he's molding us. And for a lump of clay, as badly as disfigured as I am, it takes a lot of squeezing. It takes a lot of pressure. It takes a lot of molding and, and fine-tuning, if you will. The kids the other day were making a snowman. Do you want to build a snowman? But as it was snowing, they couldn't make it because it was too cold. The day before, they made uh, the base of the snowman, just the bottom half of it. And it was left outside. And then they had to wait until the snow was finished. And I didn't realize the next day was going to be so kind of cold and rainy. And they began to make it again. And one of the kids went off and broke part of my trees. And they made some arms. And Kathy gave him a carrot and stuck it in the nose. And they put some rocks in the eyes and the mouth. And yeah, it's pretty cool. But you know, that's what God is doing to us. He's making us into something beautiful. He's, he's molding us into, not snowmen. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. He's making us better than snowmen. He's making us something that he will get the glory from. And when you think about it, this is what Asaph was learning the truth about God. See, every day we're learning something about God, whether we realize it or not. You're never too old to learn. Never too old to learn. And um, what I learn about God, Asaph was saying, it didn't go along with my experience that I was going through in the world. And so as a result, he... He got confused about several things. Number one, by the prosperity of the sinner. If you look in verse number three, he, he couldn't believe the prosperity of the wicked. Uh, it says, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. It bothered him that the wicked prospered while the children of God did without. Then by the peace of the sinner. How can they live in peace? Verse number four. For there are no bands in their death, and their strength is firm. It seems like they have no problems at all. Well, let me tell you something. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord for us. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to fret. We don't have to be confused. But once you're saved, you're saved for eternity, and you're going to spend eternity with Him. Money is not going to buy happiness. Position, wealth, not going to buy happiness. What do we see in this world today? There's all kinds of manipulation. There's all kinds of, oh, if I do this, and I'm going to gain some money, and then I'm going to be able to sell and buy and get gain. And wait a minute, it sounds like the parable of the rich. Uh, the guy says, "This will I do. I'll tear down my barns and build greater." Because he had no problem making money. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, be merry. But the Bible says that night, the Bible tells us that God came to him and said, Thou fool. Thou fool. Tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. Boy, that's a dangerous thing if you don't know Jesus. Because you're going to stand before God whether or not you want to or whether or not you're ready to. Ah, that's scary. But it's confusing to Asaph. 
And the other thing, he says, by the, by the pleasure, look in verse number five, the pleasure of the sinner. Uh, they are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. They're, there's no problem. He was astounded that the wicked could live their lives in such sin and do so without any trouble. Did you know the devil doesn't bother the unsaved? Can I just tell you that? The devil doesn't bother the unsaved. They're already his. Those that don't know Christ as Savior, the devil doesn't bother them until they're confronted with the message of the gospel. Then the devil gets a little worried. And he starts to do everything in his power. I've been on a visitation or someone's house and talking to them about the Lord. And the devil will turn on a television at full blast. A cat will scream at that moment, and a dog will bark. A child will cry. I've seen it happen. Is it any wonder that God allows things to happen? The devil has to ask permission, again, to bother the saint. But those that are the devils, he doesn't have to worry about them. Those that are saved, the devil can antagonize. He can bother, but he can't have them can't have him. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so here, Asaph, he can't understand the pleasure, the peace, the prosperity, or the pride of the sinner. Look in verse number 6. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt. They seek wickedly concern and oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of full cup are wrung out, uh, out to them. And they say, how doth God know? God doesn't know. And, there is, uh, and is there knowledge in the Most High? They don't really know. But then... If you look down in verse number 12, there's the progress of the sinner. And he says, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They, are, they increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Difficult. Till I went to the sanctuary of God and I understood their end. Or then I understood their, I their end. And so when you think about uh, what you see is not always the way it is. When you see the wicked succeed and wicked things happen and there's no consequence. Boy, I, I've, we've talked about this before. We want to see some justice. We want to see someone, we want to see blood. Well, you don't want to go that far. But we want to see someone go to jail for wickedness in this world. We see a lot of things get swept under the carpet. and Oh, it's been going on for a long time. But there comes a point where that's enough. That's enough. And God will not be mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. God's going to make himself known one way or the other. We're going to see 
God do great things or we're going to be taken out of this world. It's close. It's close. But when we see what God's going to do, boy, we can rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. He looked at the life he had been living for the Lord. Verse number 13, he looked at his own sorrow. He looked at the life lived for the Lord. And it, you know what it did to him? It broke his heart. You look back on your life. They say your life lashes before your eyes just before you die. I don't know. I haven't had that near-death experience. Your life flashes before your eyes and you reflect back on all the things that you went through. I have a, a weighted blanket the kids got me for last year, Christmas or something. I don't remember when. It gives you different dreams. Can't move. Feel like you're in jail. But you start dreaming things that are about when you were a little kid, maybe it's just me, I don't know. You start thinking about things and you start reflecting on people that have hurt you or offended you or you've offended or, and you begin to reflect on those things. And that's what Asaph is dealing with. He's, he's going over his life and he, he's looking at what God is doing and it broke his heart. It broke his heart. And when we see people reject God and we see people going their own direction and they don't want anything not to do with us, that's okay. But they don't want anything to do with God. Boy, that's, that's sad. He felt like at this point, oh, what's the use? I feel like giving up and serving the Lord. Trials of life begin to pile up on us. We were tempted to think, Maybe if you can't beat him, let's join him. Let's just be like him. Oh, wait a minute. Be careful. Come out from among them. Be separate. Say, the Lord, touch not the unclean thing. We have to make ourselves, just like Joshua said, as for me and my house, drew a line in the sand. We're going to serve the Lord. I don't know what you're going to do. Elijah said it best. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua said that, but he said, if Baal be God, then serve him. But if God be God, then serve him. And he showed who was God that day, didn't he? The problem is we get this mindset that there's no benefit serving the Lord. Oh, wait a minute. Have you read your Bible today where he said, daily he loadeth me with benefits? Daily. Hey, what benefits did he load you with today? Oh, he gave you fresh air to breathe. None of us are masked up today. Masked, I, I think they, I, I'm not going to get into it. If masks worked, why do we go to two masks? Does it make sense? Again, the devil's trying to muzzle. The devil's trying to silence the witness. He's trying to distance people. What happened to fellowship together? Um, I don't want to get on the hobby horse too much, so 
how will this, everything always comes down to this, how will this affect me and what problems will I face now? Will I ever have relief? And then we ask the personal question, who even cares about me? Who cares about me and what I'm facing? The natural thinking always results in disaster because it allows you to stand in the wrong place to see things from the wrong perspective. Years ago, there was a big fire in one socket over near Social Street, off of Social Street. There were several of them, but I can remember this one in particular. Dad's got a message about it where uh, they were selling ice cream at the fire. An ice cream truck showed up while there were so many people there, and they were selling ice cream at the fire. Um, what did you come to this fire for? We came to watch the fire. Their perspective was, I get ice cream. But if you look at it from a firefighter's perspective, he was out there to fight fires. He was out there to save lives, to help people. If you look at it from the policeman's perspective, he's directing traffic, trying to keep all those ice cream eaters over there. Get out of the way. Eat your ice cream somewhere else. See, our perspective on what we go through, people don't understand what we're going through, and we, don't, we just don't know if God's real, and we don't know if God cares. And We sing a song, does Jesus care? Oh, yes, he does. He does care. See, it all has to do with our perspective. The human perspective, when we look at life problems from the human perspective, we'll always focus on self. It's all about me, my problems. And if we fall into the trap or we allow ourselves to get into the trap of looking at life from the human perspective, I know we're human beings. We find ourselves like Asaph in a place where you begin to doubt what you know to be true about the Lord. What did the Lord say so many times? We go over these verses and you forget, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what we go through, we think, where's God in all this? Where's God when I need him most? Lord, I need you more than the rest of the world. He's telling us, little lambs, to be still, be patient, pray, in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks? Lord, do you realize what we're going through? Lord, do you realize it's global warming? Do you realize the gas just went up three or four cents overnight? Do you realize my gas-guzzling car needs work? Yeah, God says, be still. Be patient. Be still. Trust in the Lord. Asaph was looking at the wrong things. It all has to do with where you're standing. And uh, when you're standing in, uh, on the promises of Christ, uh, we won't look at the life from the human perspective. Um, we'll look at it through God's perspective. So what did he encounter through all this? I, I have to close uh, the message. I don't really want to, but I mean I have to. But um, in verse number 17, 
uh, getting the right chapter here. Verse number 17, he says, Until I went to the sanctuary of God, ah, then I understood their end. The rest of the world doesn't, they think that this is a crutch. Coming to church and Christianity, it's just a crutch. You're just a hurting person, and that's the best crutch that you need. That's whatever works for you. It's like we've been going over on uh, truth, the road trip to truth on Sunday mornings. Hey, that's your truth. That's okay for you. No, truth doesn't change from person to person. It's not subjective to you. It's universal for everybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's good for everybody. And what we have to understand is that when hard times, difficult times come, when problems face us, we're going to have to learn to rise like cream to the top. We're going to have to learn to, to stand fast. We're going to have to learn to fight the fight. We're going to have to learn all these things that was written in his word for us to challenge us, exercise our faith. Oh, man, that hurts. Saw a commercial recently about, uh, I think it was doctors, and, and you heard this. And he has these two little weights. And he's just lifting them. He's working himself out. And sometimes that's how our faith is. We're so heavy, Lord. You don't understand. And God says, wait a minute. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Lord, this isn't light. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Okay, if I have to. No, I get to. Wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Boy, that's an exciting thing. You power walkers. Not going anywhere. I run, not as one that beateth the air. That's what Paul said. Uh, the idea is that Asaph, he looked from a different perspective, and it all had to do with where he was standing. When we're standing close to the shepherd, oh, wow, Lord, is that why you allowed that to happen? Oh, wow, Lord, why, did, why wasn't I still? Why was I busy? Why was I confused? Why was I worrying? Been worrying lately? Yeah, we'd be lying if we didn't say we were. We're not sure how things are going to turn out. We don't have a, a, a special, oh, I wonder, this crystal ball is going to tell me everything. No, 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 no. We have the Word of God. We have the intuitive dwelling of the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us to all truth. And what we have to do is learn to lean on Jesus more than we did yesterday. I love Him better every D-A-Y. Right? Close by his side, I will abide. I love him better every day. And if we, if we learn like Asaph finally learned this, oh, to dwell in the sanctuary, oh, that's why you did that, God. Uh, it wasn't my education. It wasn't my experience. It was because you wanted to show yourself mighty. Help me to learn that. Because the sooner that we learn it, it's better to go through first grade and second grade one time the Christian walk. I don't like to repeat some grades. Not that I ever did. 
but I don't want to go back to first grade or kindergarten. Lord, help me to learn it first time. Help me not to keep repeating the same things over and over again. Help me to, ding, 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 the light goes on, and oh, thank you, Lord, for showing me what your plan is. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your goodness. We thank you so much for Blackstone Valley Baptist Church. Lord, we don't know exactly what you're doing, but we can see the prophetic hand of God at work. And Lord, just watch over us. Help us to be still and know that you're in control and that you are God. Help us to relinquish, give up, yield the right of way in our lives. And Lord, help us to trust you for the rest of our journey. Thank you for each precious soul that's either tuning in or watching uh, online or here in person. We thank you for a church that we can come to, the pillar and ground of the truth. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We do want to take time for prayer this evening. And um, I know you probably didn't have time to fill out your prayer cards, but uh, if you've got a prayer request, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll just take it off the floor tonight.